Have you ever wondered what type of personality you are? Passionate, calm, grounded, ethereal. How to harness your unique characteristics. How to avoid the pitfalls and to maximize the strengths of your particular personality type. I'm excited to begin a new four-part course called the Four Elements Course. This will be part one, the Kabbalah of Fire. We will then go to the Kabbalah of Wind, Water, and Earth. The four elements, four archetypes that each one of us has but some are more primary than the others. So please join me. Hi everyone, Simon Jacobson here. I am pleased to begin a new course, a four-part course called the Four Elements Course. Fire, wind, water, and earth. This is the first part of these four parts called the Kabbalah of Fire. This program is dedicated by Jack Klundert in honor of Anne Klundert. Have you ever wondered about your personality type. You know, each of us have different dominant genes, so to speak, dominant characteristics. But we don't always have a handle exactly what type are we. Is it healthy? Is it not healthy? Is it shaped by our parents and educators and society? Or is it inherent? How do we harness our strengths? How do we maximize our potential? and minimize the pitfalls or the drawbacks that each character type may have. That's what we will be discussing in this four-part course, which is identifying these four archetypes. So this goes back thousands of years of how scientists looked at the universe, the chemistry of the universe. So even though today the four elements may not be seen quite the same way, but the archetypes of these four components is extremely relevant when you really put it into terms that we can all relate to. And uh, so we will be do- covering all of them today. We will be covering part one, the Kabbalah of fire. So like all the other elements, fire is a part of our lives. It has its strengths. It has its uh, challenges, its virtues and its vices. So when you hear the word fire, what does it conjure up? So for many, it conjures up the word danger. Fire drives panic in us. When a fire breaks out, it's out of control. But fire also has the element of passion. Now, passion, too, has a positive side and a negative side. So that's what we're going to be addressing. And most importantly, making it relevant to ourselves. So we're not just talking about the chemistry of it or the science of it, but the relevance, the archetype. What is an archetype? An archetype is a type of template. It is a quintessential feature. So all of us have all four elements within us. 
We have the fire within us. We have the wind within us. We have the water within us. And we have the earth within us. But there's still dominant elements. So fire. The way it's described, you talk about the features, the very feature of fire, is described as fire being dry and hot. All four elements have a different combination of that. Two of them are dry. One is dry and hot, and there's dry and cold. And the second is cold or warm. So fire is dry and hot. Wind, as we will discuss, is dry and cold. Water is moist, is wet and cold, and earth is dry and and warm. These will be the four features. So when we talk about fire, the first thing we need to know is the fire within us, the fire in our belly, the fire in our soul, is a very healthy thing. But like all fire, if it's harnessed properly, we use it well. When it's not, it can be destructive. So think of passion. All of us have passion. Our passion can, we know, can be extremely powerful, a powerful force in love, in relationships, in commitment. You're excited, you're passionate. You feel that fire burning. You're not complacent. So in that sense, yes, it's a hot element. It's dry because it's not moist. And that causes it to be a very strong force in our lives. And as such, what it does is it drives us. What we need to be, what we need to hold in check is to make sure that the fire does not consume us. Because if it consumes us, it becomes obsessive and it can become destructive to ourselves and to others. So there's also what we'll call foreign fire, alien fire. Sometimes that was a, uh, a description describing destructive substances. So yes, it's fire, and there's a lot of passion in it, but it can be a passion that's misdirected. Look what happens with crimes of passion. People lose their minds, and they can really hurt someone. They can kill someone in the throes of passion. So what do we, how do we look at this fiery part of, us, of, of ourselves? So if you're a passionate person, you know immediately both the positives and the negatives. Passion leads to, as I said, drive and building things. But on the other hand, passion needs to be checked. So how do we check passion? We need objectivity to determine where that fire is being used and how it's being used. If it's controlling you or it does not have any discipline at all, it will most likely end up hurting somebody. If, however, it's harnessed, exactly like we look at fire, we need, we need warmth on this earth. We need fire in our homes to warm food, to cook food, to keep ourselves warm and healthy. The human body has a certain temperature. If it gets too low, it's not good. We need to have warmth. Our blood has to be a certain warmth. However, if it gets too hot, we call that fever. We call that becoming dangerous if it gets too hot. So that measure is the key. In our personal lives, the best possible way to maintain balance in that area is to make sure that you have someone you speak to that can review the fire within you. Now, as I mentioned, not everybody is a fiery personality. Some are very passionate people. Some are not. But everybody needs passion. Everybody needs fire in their lives. We'll soon discuss the deeper elements of it, but I just wanted to begin on a very basic level. So let's start with this. Write down for yourself. Do you feel you're a passionate person? 
so then we can say you have the element of fire within you functioning. Do you feel that you have passion, but you don't have the right and ability to express it? It may have been suppressed. It may have been mocked. It may have been some ways criticized. So you've, you've learned to just control yourself. So then you may, may have a fire within you that's waiting to express itself, but it's not fully expressed. So this is important to document this. You want to evaluate yourself first. So question number one, are you a passionate type of person? Question number two, do you have passion that has not been released? Question number three, if you are a passionate person, where do those passions lie? Describe three things you're passionate about. This is awareness. This is what's called the first step in all growth is knowing. Self-awareness. Knowing yourself. Know thyself. That helps you identify. Very often, most of our personality types and characteristics are more impulsive. They come when they come and they go when they go. What we're trying to do here is be more deliberate to really look at it and identify it because then you get much more control of it and you can then also maximize it and minimize any of the negatives, negative traits that it may produce. So those are the first obvious questions that are necessary to just assess yourself. Now, if your answer is, I'm not that passionate type of person, I would still suggest, is there anything that you're passionate about, anything that riles you up? It could be protecting your family. It could be certain values that you feel are, tr- are tra- tra- trodden upon by others or dismissed by others. Things that make, you, make, make your blood boil. Yeah, the word fire boil. It's things that make you upset. Now again, there's two directions here. If, for example, you get upset about things that are positive things, that's good. If you get upset about petty things and nonsense, that's not good. So then let me introduce you now to the next step, which is the features. What are the character features of fire in our lives? So the first I mentioned was passion. <clears throat> and passion can go in both directions, as I said. But there's two others that are, we're talking on the, we're gonna, I'm going to mention some positive elements and some negative ones. The positive ones is passion, a healthy passion, something that you really believe in and that you, yes, makes your blood boil in a good way because you believe in it. You're not neutral, you're not ambiguous, and you really believe in something, which can be categorized under the category of passion. And other positive things of fire is the, the drive that it brings, love, that you do things with a type of excitement. What about the negative side? The negative side are usually classified into two. One is, of course, anger. Anger is fire. Fiery anger, fiery rage. It's a fiery element. It's dry and hot. That's what it is. And as such, it's a force that can be very dangerous. We know what anger can do. When people get angry, they get out of control like a fire. They consume themselves and others. Things that bother you to the point that they eat you up alive. Talk about being your blood boiling. It could be boiling for the wrong reasons. <clears throat> it can go into areas of, of resentment. Anything that elicits anger would be, we would call that the negative manifestation of fire. Another negative manifestation is, interestingly, is some of the mystics identify it with arrogance. Why? Because like fire rises, arrogance is a type of a rising sense, a sense of inflated ego. I know we could identify arrogance also with wind, and we'll talk about that. But right now, one of the interpretations of negative fire is, is uh, arrogance. 
pomposity type of, which brings us to the feature of fire that I just said that elevates. But I will get to that shortly. I want to talk more about the features of fire in our personality. So look at fire, two things that come to mind. Fire warms and it illuminates. It illuminates and it warms, which of course is one of the reasons we're talking about it and began the series now, because this is the festival of lights, Hanukkah. But this is really all year round. So Hanukkah, of course, the festival of lights. What we see in light, it warms and it illuminates. Those, of course, are beautiful features. So if you're a person that when you meet others, they feel warmed by you, they feel illuminated by you. Illuminated could be you provide clarity, you're a person who has a certain certainty, confidence. So illumination and warmth. And warmth, of course, is you warm people's hearts. People feel better. Someone who feels cold and detached, fire has that ability to warm. Just like a warm room, you light a fireplace. Fire has that ability to warm and illuminate. So if that is part of your personality, that is beautiful. Is there a downside to warming and influencing? Only if it intrudes on people's boundaries and violates and in some way it becomes too aggressive. But generally warming and influencing, we would all agree, is a positive feature. Okay, but so we have here the positives, the negatives. What else do we see about fire and its features? Let's continue that discussion. Fire rises. It's the only one of the elements that completely defies gravity. Even though wind, which we discuss, has an element of that, but water and earth for sure don't. They're subject to the gravitational pull. Fire were not for the wick. It would expire. It would just go upward. So that's, it rises. It flickers. It doesn't just rise because it's grounded by the wick. It flickers. It has an element of a to and fro motion. What do they express and what do they reflect in human personality? So they reflect the following. The idea of transcendence, that a human being is always striving, looking upward, pining to look for something greater than you are. Fire is the perfect example of that. Indeed, in the book of Proverbs, it says that the fire of God is the soul of a human being. The closest approximation of your soul on earth is a fire. A flame, because it defies gravity. Gravity would be referring to things of survival, to things that ground us in this world, that are necessary, but they're about your existence, about your survival. Fire represents your transcendent side, which is not incidentally connected to passion, because passion also, passionate for healthy things, is about an excitement to reach greater heights. But let's go back to transcendence. So in that sense, fire is a transcendent force. And like fire rises, our souls rise. Allow that voice to express itself. So write this down as the next step of this course. Write down in your life, do you allow your, soar, your spirit to soar? Do you allow yourself to dream, to imagine, and act on it? The fire in you is meant to bring that part of yourself, to elicit and evoke that part of you to work and reach upward. Look at the difference between a human being and other creatures. We walk upright, and because of that, we look up. We look up to heaven. And that, just the satisfaction of our curiosity, has developed a trillion-dollar industry, starting with NASA, space exploration, because we're simply curious beings. We see the skies, we see the heavens, the stars, the planets. What's out there? Is there someone like us out there? 
What's going on? Even on a very physical level. Imagine on a spiritual level, we're looking what, who put us here? What is our reason that we're here? A type of aspiration and search and seeking, the soul search for purpose, for meaning, the soul seeking transcendence, to break out of the confines of our fixed boundaries and our fixed routines. That's what fire does. It's not, you can't contain fire. It's, that's what it does. It's constantly seeking, which leads me to the word restlessness, human restlessness. Now, restlessness for some identifies with anxiety. That's perhaps where the fire is out of control to some extent. But in a healthy sense, it's the healthy angst that each person should have that restless spirit that you're not satisfied with animal bliss. You're a flame, a burning flame, seeking, reaching, licking the sky. And then you have your wick, which is like your body that grounds you to make sure that you don't fully just expire in a type of uh, burnout, which unfortunately people have done in that, in that search for transcendence. And you don't have the counterbalance, which we'll talk about shortly, is can create, again, an extreme fire that consumes them. So this brings me to the next point in fire, the flickering element is what the Kabbalists call rotze and shuv. Literally means to run and return, to and fro, tension and resolution. The tension of that angst, of that seeking, of that restlessness, because you're looking for something greater than yourself, you're not satisfied with animal bliss, which, which I mentioned earlier, animals do not look upward. They focus on the ground on which they live, they, they, they breed, they protect their young, they feed. Very basic. They have not improved their lives, built better technologies. They're not interested in uh, mobile smartphones or any phones for that matter. They don't go to therapy. They don't have that restlessness that humans have. Because the fire in them is focused completely to the things, their survival. We do have that restlessness. And as I said, it needs a counterbalance, which is why fire flickers. It reaches upward, only to come down again, and back and forth. Literally, like what? Like a cardiogram. The wave. Peaks and valleys. If it goes, if it's extreme, the peaks are too high and the valleys are too low, that's a wildfire, and not a smooth one, that creates anxiety or it creates too much uh, complacency so you want to have the perfect measure of reaching upward and coming down tension and resolution a healthy tension that i want to grow and you're restless and you work toward it and then resolution that you don't you're not only driven by that by that tension you also have resolve you internalize so you're like climbing a ladder always looking upward, looking to great, reach greater heights, but then internalizing before you move forward. When you climb a ladder, you don't climb 10 rungs at a time. One step forward, the other foot is still on the lower rung, then that goes to the next higher rung. And, and you do it in a process, in a systematic process, which allows you to balance it and create harmony. Because as I said, you don't want extreme fire. When you see, for example, a log burning, a log that's wet, or moldy, or something like that, that's a fire that's a, that's a wildfire. It's sparkling, it's noisy. It's a, when do you see a log that's dry, and we said dry and hot, and a flame burns, there's a certain calm to it, because it's burning, but at the same time, 
it's also balanced. So you want to make sure that that balance is always in place. So we've covered quite a few different elements of fire. To just sum up, we talked about passion. We talked about, uh, we talked about uh, the, uh, the drive. We discussed the element of fire of warming and illuminating, warmth and illumination. And now we've discussed tension and resolution, transcendence and resolve. A constant need. And what does that reflect? I was going to say earlier. That reflects the heartbeat. Contraction and expansion. The cardiogram. The wave. The breath. Exhale and inhale. These are all examples of the two poles that fire represents. So you see from this, my friends, that fire is a feature that helps us understand ourselves better. Because if you can identify that fire element within you, you now have a good picture of those components. And the more you can describe it in your personality, which is why I suggested writing things down, then you basically are identifying the fire within you. Let's take it now into a practical game plan. A practical game plan. Um, So we should also mention, before the game plan, the negative aspects of fire. I spoke about anger and about arrogance. So of course we need to do is make sure that's checked. Now, is it all right to get angry for the right reason? As long as you're in control of it. When you light a fire and you're in control of it, then you allow it to grow to the point that it achieves what it has to achieve. Warming food, heating or boiling water. But if the fire gets out of control and you're not in control of it and it gets into control, then you have trouble. So if you're talking about anger, which is very deliberate, where you say, I'm upset about something someone I lo- love has done, or something I have done. But it not, does not turn into a rage, an uncontrollable rage. It's deliberate, it's planned. Then you're talking about that you care. Caring is not anger. Caring means I'm not complacent, I'm not indifferent, I'm not apathetic, I care. That would be an example. I, w- I wouldn't call it anger, to be honest. I would just call it caring, concern. Fire, as anger, is usually an anger that is not in control. And you can justify from today till tomorrow, but it's not a healthy expression. And the same thing with arrogance. That burning arrogance, where you are, feel greater than others. You rise, you try to be dominant, and so on. That does not have a positive side to it. If indeed you have something in your life that is important to be achieved, like people are leaders... A leader does not mean you have to be aggressive about it, which leads me to the fire element of aggression. Fire has an aggressive side to it. It's aggressive. That's why it's frightening. It identifies with the color red. Water will identify with white blue, but fire identifies with red. Red, look at why red lights, red lights. Because red, everyone knows, is a form of like danger. Stop. It means be careful. Which leads me to yet another feature of fire, as the Kabbalists put it, with the word gavura. Gavura means, literally, it can mean power, strength, dominance, aggression. Now, there's a positive side to gavura, and that is discipline, discretion. That's why you see when fire, what fire does is it, um, it crumples things up, it, it con- contracts things. You put a piece of paper in fire or any other object, the fire will contract it because fire is a concentrator. 
So in the healthy way, concentration is harnessing, is uh, directing, is guiding, is focusing, laser energy. When fire, however, spreads and it's not focused, then it could be problems again. So that leads to the element of also that aggression. Now, aggression we know is a negative word, but to be firm is not a negative thing. Again, balanced fire, contained fire. So we have now introduced a few more features that are connected to fire, and you can list that as well. So let's now go to a practical game plan. Once you've identified the fire within you, the fiery elements in your character, then the key thing is to really now create a type of um, report card that evaluates how strong is that fire in your life and is it being directed toward positive things. And don't be bashful. List as many things as you wish. Some we've mentioned, some we haven't. And then give it a 1 to 10. Like saying, okay, I have a certain angry side to me, but it's at, it's, I keep it at bay. So let's say we'll give it a 3. 10 would be when it's out of control. One would be that you really don't have that side to you, at least not in any expressive way. Okay, so the same, do that throughout, whether it's the passion, whether it's warming and influencing others, whether it's transcendence, whether it's restlessness. Do you have more transcendence and less resolve? Which means you dream a lot and you're very frustrated you're not getting your dreams fulfilled. All can be gauged in a 1 to 10 type of number. I'm using that as an example. You can do 1 to 100 if you're able to have it that nuanced. But 1 to 10, I think, is a fair way to go. You'll be surprised, some ways pleasantly, in some ways maybe not so pleasantly, at the results. You'll really see yourself now like a reflection of yourself through the lens of fire, how fire plays itself out in your personality. You'll see the areas that you're very strong in, but you'll also see whether you're actualizing them or not. You'll see areas where you're weakened. What do you think is the next step after that? Once you see it, I can assure you, your awareness itself will already want to make you work on it. Now, I'm not suggesting everything is easy to change just because you become aware of it. But awareness then gives you something to work in, to bite into. And then make it a goal. It could be on a weekly basis a goal. It could be more often or less often. Make it a goal to say, okay, I'm going to work on the fire within me. The areas that need somewhat more, more uh, taming, more lowering the temperature, harnessing. The areas where I have passions that I'm not exercising, I'm not actualizing. Make it a goal. Don't take on too many goals because it usually doesn't happen. Do it in a way that you know you can achieve it. And make a goal. By the end of next week, I would like to identify area, an area where fire is being, uh, being over dominant and needs to be somewhat tamed and say this is my goal to tame my anger to tame my passion for something that may not be that important or even destructive in my life or other people's lives replace it with a positive passion make that the goal i really enjoy helping people so do it find things you're passionate about make them your projects this is how you take and harness the fire in your personality and turn it into something positive, growthful. And I assure you that you, once you start doing it in a consistent manner, important consistency, you will see a visible difference in your life. Now we're just covering here element number one. We have three more to go. But element one, number one alone can transform your life to become that 
living example of a walking, fiery, passionate person, but a fire that warms and influences, that warms and illuminates and influences, a fire that transcends, a fire that is passionate and driven towards good goals. That changes a person's life. And keep in mind, your soul is compared to fire. But many of our souls are remain quite uh, dormant because we've been shaped by other people's expectations and demands of us. So the voice of your soul, and I like to call it the song of your soul, and everybody has their song, is sometimes undercover. Sometimes, more than sometimes. You may not even be aware of what your soul's fire is like. So here's the time to start expressing it, to start building the courage necessary to allow it to speak. And you don't have to begin big. Again, write down on a piece of paper, write down, here are some of my voices, here are some of the things that really resonate with me. Begin singing it, begin singing it to yourself. Sing it to people that you care about, that care about you. Sing it with passion, with a fiery passion. And what you'll start seeing is that there are parts of you that have gone, are uh, MIA. They're there, waiting to be released, like a pilot flame that just needs, needs that type of fanning to get it expressed. But that's what it's about. So allow yourself to do that. Make it a goal to express and develop the fire within you. Now, when the mystics talks about fire, talk about fire, as I mentioned, there's that element of that rotze and shuv I said, to and fro, tension and resolution. But there's another thing I want to address. Fire is often used in terms, I mean, even drugs are sometimes called foreign fire, alien fire, because they're very powerful and they are consuming. But the problem there is they consume you instead of you consume. Well, I wouldn't say that you consume it, but... It consumes you, it takes control over your life. In the, in the Bible, there's a story, actually, of the two sons of Aaron, who in their great passion, passion, ran into the temple, the holy temple, to experience a divine transcendent experience. They were so passionate about it that they lit, it says, a strange fire, a strange flame, and it consumed them. And they first burn out in history. And based on this story and others, became a very important principle in all spiritual disciplines that we need to make sure that the fires that are lit and, and they're coming from a good place are not an expression of your overexpression of your desire because if it becomes more about you than about what needs to be achieved then it's not transcendence the transcendence is another selfish expression so it's important to remember overall that though fire a fiery soul is critical and as a matter of fact, as I said, many of us have the problem the other way around. The fires in us have, have been either extinguished, is a strong word, but definitely put, kept at bay or almost nil. We're feelings of resignation, of fatalism, of no hope, hopelessness. So we need to light those fires, but then we need to also qualify it by saying that the fires on the other extreme that don't have an element of discipline and grounding can be equally problematic. And that is why it's vital, especially for someone who's a more, call it a free spirit, someone who has a fiery soul. Now, we all have a fiery soul, but someone whose soul is very dominantly fiery 
and they express it to really also check it. And that's vital because without that, it ends up being a force that, though it comes from a good place, ends up being a negative one, a negative type of fire. So fire is an uh, interesting uh, force in our lives. You can't live with it. You can't live without it. You can't live with it. I mean, you can't live with a fire that's out of control and it's necessary in our lives. It's such a vital component. So I hope this sheds some light and helps us all come to a, uh, a deeper understanding of ourselves because that's the goal. There's an expression that the universe in microcosm is the human being. You are a universe, a small universe. And that universe, just as there's the four archetypal elements of fire, wind, water, and earth, they also exist within you. And by expressing and experiencing and evaluating the fire within you, you become a very different type of person. You become much more in control of yourself and you learn to express and discover newer strengths that you may not have been aware of. As I said, I find many people going both directions, some people who that fire was really beat out of you, and people don't have that passion, they were criticized, they were dismissed, invalidated, and you don't want to follow, you don't want to be hurt. People the other extreme, who have uncontrolled fire, and sometimes it's interconnected, some people who've been suppressed, when they finally break out, they break out in an uncontrolled fire. And the key to all healthy relationships, the key to all interactions, is to have passion in your life, to have fire, but a fire that does not hurt the other, does not violate another, a fire that is balanced. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew words for man and woman is ish, ish and isha. They both have the word fire in it. The man is a fire, but he has the letter yud, which is a divine force, a divine spark. Isha is also ish, but has a letter hey, which is a divine expansiveness. So if you just, if you take out the divine element, that humble element, you have two fires, and two fires can destroy each other. But when you include, include the Yud and the He, the name of God, you include the measure of humility, and that the fire is not about you, it's about building something greater than you are, then they join together, it's two fires that lick and join. You ever see how fires come together? They become one, literally. They're not two. You see, as they get closer, they become one. And finally, one more feature of fire, which is so beautiful. Everything in this material world is, is measured by time and space. I have something, and I want to give it to you. Let's say I have a piece of food, I want to share it with you. I will have less. I may do it anyway, because I love you, and I care about you, and that's more important than my piece of bread, my full piece of bread. I want to give you my seat, I have to get up from my seat. Basically, you get diminished as you give to others. However, you give anyway because you get something back in return, like giving love, giving charity, giving of yourself. You, you, become, maybe you may have less, but you become much more due to the present, but the, due to the experience. But the physical element is, yes, you only now have a half a piece of bread because you shared it with someone else for a beautiful reason. Fire, interestingly, when you light another person's fire, you don't get diminished. You light a candle. And one can light the other. The first one doesn't get weaker. It can go ad infinitum. You can light one fire, another fire, another fire. So in addition to all the fires joining as one when they're humble, humble fire, they also have the element of perpetuate, perpetuation. It can warm and influence and warm and illuminate and influence other people 
and you don't become less. As a matter of fact, you become more. Not just the quality, but the fire becomes greater, and fire is joined, everything becomes greater. So we have here another example. Fire is yet another example of doing things that perpetuate without weakening the initial entity. So my friends, I hope you use these fiery lessons and messages in the fullest possible way. Passion, drive, transcendence, illumination, warming in ways that are perpetual, in ways that create more unity and ultimately illuminate your life and the life of your loved ones, of your community, and it extends as fire does, it spreads. A ripple effect, a butterfly effect that impacts the whole world and fills the whole world with warmth and beauty and light. May you be successful in harnessing that fire. May you be successful in lighting and igniting other people's passion, other people's souls. The soul that's already there waiting, just waiting to be fanned, waiting to be expressed. Be blessed. Have a very happy Hanukkah and happy holiday, a one of light and illumination and all the best of health. This has been part one of this four-part, four-element series. And next week we will be doing part two on the Kabbalah of wind and its impact and effect in our lives. Thank you. Be well. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.